Hi and welcome to THFC Till I Die podcast show today on Tuesday the 11th of March 2023 where myself, Queen Ellie Hoybier and Mia from Spurs Between the Lines talk all things Tottenham which we couldn't talk about on Newsbeat. Now guys, there's a few topics I want to go through today with, with yeah. you and love to get your thoughts on it. We've got the race for top four. We've got Scott Munn situation, which you, me, Ellie, have not even discussed yet because we haven't been on the streams due to obvious reasons. So that'd be good to catch up with that. We've got the manager yeah. as well. And as well, we'd love to get Mia's thoughts on that as well. So I'll tell you where we're going to start. We will start on the the fans. This is something I want to start on. It's the fans yeah. booing um, at at the match on Saturday. Now, Ellie, you were there. Yeah. Um, now, with the fans booing at halftime and during the game, are the fans right to boo the team? And also, Ellie, the way I was looking at it was, mm. does it affect the players? And a lot of people were saying that we play like the away team when it comes to when we play at White Hart Lane. Do, do you think the players are having yeah. a reaction to what the fans are doing? And it's the lo loss of confidence, Ellie. Do you think that could be it? You were there Saturday, so you'd be like, better to tell yeah. me. Yeah, it's like it's like the the life's been sucked out of every Spurs fan. Really, it's like they go through the motions, and when they're mm. singing, they're not singing with all their heart. The only time they did do um, is when they they cheered for Potticino to come back. But, um, yeah, the booing was sort of muted as well. It wasn't mm. like a full boo. It was like a muted boo, like to say, we're not satisfied, mm. but we're not going to boo you fully because you did try, um, mm. but it's not good enough. You can tell the fans want more. You know, they 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 deserve more as well. We, we all deserve more. People that pay 50, 60, 70 to go and watch that rubbish, mm. it's not good. You know, and you don't mind if the players are putting in effort. That's why I think it was a muted boo. Mm. It wasn't a full-blown boo right round the ground mm. that echoed, you mm. know. So, yeah. I mean, Amir, look, where do you see this booing? And look, every fan has a right to boo Mia. We all pay us. We all pay our season tickets or our memberships or our tickets for the game. We all buy stuff in the stadium or the club shop. So we feel we have a right. We can boo the team. Where do you stand in this booing? Do you agree with it? Do you not agree with it? Where, where do you stand on it? So my opinion is that I don't agree with it, but, but I support anybody who wishes to do it. Mm. Because like you say, people are entitled to express their opinion how they want. Mm. And if that's how they wish to express their dissatisfaction with the football that they're being served up, I'm absolutely all for it, absolutely. However, personally, I don't think it's effective. Personally, I don't think it's a good thing to do. Um, I wouldn't do it because mm. I don't think in any other aspect of work would you stand there and boo somebody if they weren't doing their job correctly. That's not what we do. Like That's not mm. what you do. It's not constructive. So, But I understand that it's hard to be yeah. constructive when the player's on the pitch and you can't speak to them personally. So I kind of get it. But personally, for me, I... Yeah, I don't agree with it, um, and I wouldn't do it myself. I mean, I don't not agree with it. I mean, I don't agree with mm. the fact to do it. I wouldn't do it, but I can no. say I can understand why people do. Absolutely. Mm. 
look, 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 from my opinion, and it's look, I, I think I, I sort of agree with you, Mia. I, I don't like it myself, but you have a right to do it. But I think for the Josh that we've been watching, and I think with the defensive football we've been watching for the last three years, look, I, I think it's I think it's valid that fans boo. With Tottenham's supposed to be an attacking side, supposed to play in the front foot, supposed to play sides down the years that have been attacking minded. So look, fans are frustrated, so of course they're gonna boo. Ellie, where, where does frustration lay, do you think? Does it does it lay with the managers that we brought in? Does it lay with Levy and the board? Does it lay with the players that we keep going back all the time? Stellini said he doesn't tell the players to pass back. So who's is it who should take the blame, or is it a collective blame that everyone has to take responsibility for what's happening? Or is it the players and the manager, Levy, has got nothing to do with picking the side or how the training's done? So, really, do you know to me where 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 will you lay the blame? It's got to be for everybody, I think, because mm. you can't just pin the blame on one person because mm. the team have to go out there and perform. The manager has to get motivated to perform, mm. and when when it isn't going well, it's his job to pick up the team and make them play well, and sh you know show them the right way how to play in a system that is defensive. Right, but if you're going to be like that, play mm. it well. Well, because we're mm. not defending well because we've conceded so many goals. So everybody has to ha hold their hand up and say, "Look, we've all got to pull together and work this one out." You mm. know, we've got to change. Sometimes we've got to change tactically within a game when mm. it's not working as well because we've seen too much of that this season where. People are not pulling their weight and we're not doing the things tactically right. So I want to see everybody take responsibility. And also the players have courage as well, you know, because like on a lot of the games I've been this season, it's not the same, Derma. It's, mm. it's very muted. Mm -hmm. And the, the fans have had the life sucked out of them because we're not playing on the front foot all the time. No. We do it in spits and spats. We should be doing it all the time, not playing like the away team at White Hart Lane. And mm. we've we've come unstuck three or four times at home, and we could have easily come unstuck against Brighton. Mm. They were very lucky, Brighton, not to win that match. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, Mia, look, we look. You, you've got you had the Levy out chance, then you had the Pochettino chance. You got the booing. Are we a fan base that has divided, Mia? Are we divided into three separate camps here? That it's like um, you either a Levy out, you're potching, and section of the fans boo. Why are we so divided? And I'm going to say it, but I, I I hope it comes across the way I mean it, but I don't mean to disrespect anyone. Are we at civil war within the fan base? No. I think what happens is people miscommunicate. So a lot of the time there isn't actually separate camps. There's a lot of crossovers. So somebody might say that they wanted Conte out, um, mm -hmm. but there's somebody who wants Levy out. But there might be someone who wanted Levy out, but wanted mm -hmm. Conte to stay. So there's definitely a lot of crossovers. But I think it's a lot of miscommunication within the fan base because everybody 
um, has their opinion and sometimes a lot of time uh, sometimes people they don't listen they just think about what they want to say so they're not mm. communicating correctly to actually understand mm. what the other person is fully saying to them so I could be saying the same yeah. thing as somebody and they're mm. not listening to you and they're not thinking about it they're just thinking mm. oh they said this and I don't agree with it so they want to quit fire back at you but then you're like no I actually did agree with you in part so I think it is a lot of the time the divide is actually a lot of miscommunication between people I think there's probably a lot more ground where people agree than they don't agree but I think it's just mm. the way that it's communicated that that's the problem in my opinion yeah I mean Ellie you go to most of the yeah. games yourself are we are we at civil war within the family yeah. Oh, uh, no, I agree with Mia a lot. Mm. I agree with Mia a lot, but I think it's, um, I mean, Mia's um, title of her show is Spurs Between the Lines. They mm. should actually read between the lines before they comment and really take on board what that person's saying before mm. they hit back. Um, there's there's a lot of people that jump on the gun, you know, and they, they say things they don't mean as well, and then they apologise because they realise they you know, they've been out of order. So I, do, I just feel that you've got to make sure that you clarify what you mean as well mm. in, when you're writing something down because it can be misconstrued. So, mm. and there's always, there's always going to be people that disagree. As long as mm. you disagree to disagree, you know, and you do it civilly, that's the best way it, to go it's, forward. It's down to respectfulness, yeah. isn't it? It's you respecting that other people's opinion. Like, I respect yours, Ellie. I respect Mia's. And Mia's respect. You respect mine or respect yeah. Philip's. So everyone's got different opinions. I, I look personally myself. I just think that there has to be a united charge from the fans to, for us to unite. We are divided at the moment. We are all singing off different hymn sheets. But we all want the same thing at the end of the day, which is a better club for us we deserve that we are Tottenham Hotspur Football Club not Levy not the players not the not the management the fans are the club if there was no fans there'd be no Tottenham um That's so true. I think I, I think we we have to understand what we're saying to each other but I think there's a lot of there's a lot of miscommunication as Mia said and I totally agree with that I think there's a lot of not getting what you mean outright and not uh, respecting other people's opinions. And it is all about respect at the end of the day. We all are Spurs fans. Yeah. So, you know, that that that's what it should be. So, guys, just finish off in this segment about the fans booing. Um, do you think, Ellie, that with the players on the pitch, if, if say, Hoybier makes a bad pass and you hit the fans groan or mm. if... if Harry Kane misses the sitter or Sonny holds onto the ball too long. People are complaining. Look, fans will be fans. Yeah. Um, the fans do have a right to complain, don't they? They do have a right to voice their opinion. Should yeah. the players, should, should this is more at the players than the fans, but should the players be more respective to the fans than they are? 
Yeah, do you know, I'll, I'll comment on something that happened in my area, Area 252, right? So, Larice was far asking about with the ball, as he usually does, and his passing is atrocious, isn't it? Mm. We've seen it, and he puts players under pressure. And they're, like, Dyer's not the best on the ball as well, like, to receive the ball. He's quite slow, right? Mm. So, we were all yelling at him. The whole lot of us were yelling at him, just go long, Larice. And he, he listened to us. So fans can have an effect, mm. you know, and it wasn't just our area, other areas did, but our area is very vocal, you know, and um, they give it to the players. I'm mm. telling you, they don't hold back. It's like YouTube in Area 252, <laughs> but they, they really area. are honest fans. Mm. You know, they're honest. They say mm. as they see it, right, and the way we influence Loris to go long, it improved our play. Because we actually got it up front and we we won a lot of balls up front as well. Because Harry can win a lot of those duels or he'll get a he'll get a mm. foul, you know, because he's brilliant at riding a foul how, how Harry is, you know. So it does work. And I, I just feel we have got a right to complain, you know. It is our club at the end of the day. Mm. The fans, we're, we're the backbone of the, the club. We are the mm. club. We've, like you said, Dermot, without us... They've got nothing. They would fold. Mm. So they've got to keep well, us happy. But Bill Nick listen. said that, didn't he, in the dressing room back in the 60s? The fans yeah. pay your wages. The fans do. Right. You don't play for yourselves. You play for them. They will be here longer than any of us will be, So, which is so true. Um, Mia, I'm going to start with you on this. We're on the course. We're going to... Oh. Can I just um, have one more say about that? Yeah, thing, what Ellie of course just you can. Said. Yeah, of course um, you can. Sorry, but that just proves my point of the booing situation because if you can get something across to a player constructively instead of booing, that might have a better effect than just booing them, right? That's yes. how I kind of see it. Like if you're telling, if you instead of booing Luis and saying every time he's not, he's trying to pass it out. Um, you actually did say that to him, and obviously he might have take he did take note. That's where I'm saying that with the booing, it isn't constructive. Try and shout something out constructive to them; they might actually hear you and think about it. You know, mm. that's where mm. I, that's why I think the booing isn't necessarily going to work on in any which way. So yeah, sorry. Valid points, me. Very valid points. I enjoyed that conversation. That, but that is something we will go back on to. Now, guys, we're going on to the Don himself, Mr. Paratici. <laughs> now, he launches an appeal to FIFA against his two-and-a-half-year worldwide ban for football over financial mis malpractice. And after agreeing to step back from his role as sporting director at Tottenham. I'll start with you, Ellie, on this mm. segment of the show. Yeah. Um we have got ourselves into a right pickle over this, haven't we? Yeah. It's a right big mess, isn't it? Mm -hmm. You know, like, I I'm, I don't know what happened. Didn't they do their research that they this might come up, you know, the club, before you employ somebody? Mm. Or did they just overlook it because they thought he would be good for our club, you know? But it's, it's, it's a mixed match what he's mm. done. He's done some good, some bad, you know, so you can't really put your hat on him to mm. say even if he wins this appeal, will he be good for us long term? Mm. And anyway, I think Scott Munn's going to be his boss in the summer, mm. regardless if he wins his, his appeal or not, because he's going to answer to him. Um, so, I don't know, it's just a weird one, isn't it? Mm. Um, 
Didn't the club do their research? I yeah. mean, Levy's stringent like that, isn't he? Yeah. I, I mean, Ellie, you, you look at, I mean, it couldn't have got any worse than Steve Hitchin, to be fair. And for me, no. I think Paratici's done a brilliant job um, at the club. He's brought in some really good players. He's got brought in Romero. He's brought in Kulu, born in Benticore. Okay, he's brought yeah. them in from, from the Italian league, but he knows that league very well. Some of the other buys haven't been great, haven't worked out. But, you know, you look at Brian Hill, players like that, that probably will prove at the end of the day there were good investments. Mm. Um, and, Amir, I mean, what would you rate if Paratici does leave and his ban is not overturned and he has to leave? How would you rate his tenure as sporting director at Tottenham out of 10? Um, I would probably give him a reasonable six and a half. I think that he hasn't done fantastic. I don't think he's done, you know, brought in players that we're all like, wow, that was like a real, they really pulled that one off. But I don't think he's done awful either. So I think that six and a half is probably a reasonable mm. score, in my opinion. Yeah. And, and Ellie, look, I'll I, I go back to, I'll start with you and then I'll go to Mira on this. Does he deserve his Don title? I think he does. But do you think he deserves his Don um, title? Up to a point, yeah. Because, I mean, he, he brought us Kulu, Romero mm. and Benton Core, who are two, three fabulous players, sorry. Mm. You know, but um, then you've got to look at the other side of things. That's why Mia's giving him a six and a half, because he hasn't always... It's not, to tell you the truth, it's not his fault that Basuma didn't get a start. That was Conte's fault because he mm. didn't want to play him. He said he didn't fit his system. So maybe he should have consulted with Conte before he brought him in to see if he's the type of player that he would play. And then you've got Jed Spence. He will come to fruition and heal. So you've got five, you've got three who've hit the ground running and you've got two that can potentially be fantastic stars for us in the future. So... Yeah, I mean, even Basuma, you know, a new manager comes in, we might say, be saying something different by the end of next mm. season, you know. So I would give him a six and a half as well, you know. I wouldn't give him any more than that. Six no. and a half, yeah. Um, look, my opinion is I think he's he's done okay. I, I'll give him a seven or seven and a half, eight out of ten. I think some of the places brought in like a Romero, like a Kulu, like a Bentacore. I've been have have improved our team um, brilliantly. Um, look, yeah, it, I'm just really surprised. I agree with you, Ellie, that they haven't done the research on this. They haven't done the due diligence of what yeah. was happening. Um, I, I go with you, Mia. Uh, look, you go back like to Paul Mitchell and then Steve Hitchin and our Paratici, Mia. Out of all the sporting directors we've had, or director of football. Do you think it's time we went away from that now and went down like the Brighton mould that we follow how Brighton are doing it or how Brentford are doing it? Brighton seem to have more success of getting players in and showing this season how well they're playing than we are. So do you think we need to follow the Brighton mould or do you think we just ditch the director of football altogether and just go back to how it used to be? 
Um, with the Brighton mould, I believe that what they do, they they do analytics mm. uh, because there doesn't their owner own a company of some sorts that did like analytics and stuff. So I think they they run a very specific um, system. Like theirs is very very specific. But yeah, I think that having it that way isn't a bad. Like having a specific way of trying to get good players in isn't a bad thing um obviously not all managers work well with somebody um like a paratici like mm. a potch doesn't so again you have to mold it around what managers you're going to look at are you going to look at managers that do okay with um someone like that or are you going to look at managers that are not going to have you know that don't have that so it also depends on managers, I think, what kind of mm. manager you're going to go for to whether you have um, like a director of football or not, or yeah, whatever that, title they're given. Mm. But out of the three, like Paul Mitchell, Steve Hitch and Paratici, if you could if you could bring, if you could rate one better than the other, who would you rate as the best out of them three? I'll start with you, Ellie, on that. Um, I would put Paul Mitchell in front of Pat Paratici, actually, because he, he, well, he brought us some fabulous players as yeah. well, you know, and he really does scout well, you know. Um, Paratici, Paratici he, he knew those two players already. Mm. But he got us Romero, but what he failed to do is get us a top centre-back, and they've all really done that. We've had Dyer in that position for quite a while now. All right, he did start off as a defensive midfielder, but he was soon changed to mm. uh, centre-back. So we needed somebody, any of them, to bring in a, a world-class centre-back or someone someone who's competent, you know, mm. and someone who can play with Romero and show him the ropes, like when we had Jan and Toby. But even with those two, we still didn't win anything. So, you know, it's not it's not a foregone conclusion that you're going to win if you've got a fantastic defence, but you've got a much better chance of winning a trophy if you're be better at the back as well. Because we can score for fun. We yeah. can. We've shown Just it throughout the season. Yeah. Um, and Mia, the last question on this segment of, of the podcast. Um. Is Levy the problem at the end of the day when it comes to transfers? Is he the stumbling block that has stopped Paul Mitchell, who left because of Levy, Steve Hitchin and Paratici, haven't got the players that Conte, Poch, um, Mourinho, Jose wanted? Do you think Levy is the stumbling block? I think that... Um... In some ways, yeah, because I do think that he has the final say, right? Mm. He's the one who has to who says the yay or nay on it. So yeah, I do think he obviously has um, he has that say. But am I going to blame everything on Levy? Because uh, of no, because if we go on that basis, then the people who blame Levy for the good signings have to also give him credit for the signings that were mm. good as mm. well. So, but people don't want to do that, Dermot. People want to just assume that everything's done by Levy that's bad, but not give him any of the credit then for any of the good players. Because the good players, they say, oh, no, that was Paratici, that mm. was Paul Mitchell. And I don't agree with that. If you're going to give him discredit, then you also have to give him credit as well. Mm. So, 
yes, he is at fault for some of the stuff, absolutely. But then I'm going to credit accredit him with some of those players then and give him credit for getting us those players because I feel like that's only a fair thing to do. But I do believe that people who say that the... Um, the directors of football don't have any kind of say. I don't believe that for us. I don't believe that every single one that comes in that they've bought have all been yes men to Levy. Mm. I, I honestly, I don't think that because Paratici apparently, according to sources, good sources, he was in charge of a lot of these players that were scouted. Mm. So, you know. Yeah. Ellie, same question to you. What yeah. about Samir? All, all I would say is that I think he should go that extra little mile to get us those mm. certain players in those key positions. Just don't, just don't stop when you've got a few players that mm. are really brilliant to add to the team. Just add those few extra players and go that extra mile. That's what he's been lacking throughout the years. That's all I would pin the blame on him, mm. you know, because at the end of the day, he's got to sanction those extra signings that we needed. And we mm. haven't got that extra mile, have we? No, no. So but what I would our... say... Sorry. Sorry. What I would say to that, Ellie, is that mm. while I understand that, have you... Maybe the way I see it is that it might be managers who don't want certain players or they want such a specific player. And if a player doesn't want to come to us, what can Levy do? You know, That's what true. can they do? Because the thing yeah. is, you can't force a player to come. So if, if like, for instance, Conte is very specific and he says, I want this specific player, and that player says, I don't want to come or I'm not going to come out of my contract, or whatever it is, what can Levy do? And if Conte says, I don't want nobody else, I only want that player, then what's, Levy's hands are tied behind his back because the, the manager saying, I don't want any other player. Mm. And then if he gets yeah. a player that's not as good, people will accuse him of not backing Conte. Because they yeah. say that wasn't Conte's first choice. What, what, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, look. do I, right for doing wrong, in a way. Look, I, I don't think Levy should take all the blame. I, I think a lot of the blame should be placed at Steve Hitchin. I think he was an awful director of football. Some of the dross he brought in. Um, I don't think he gets enough blame, to be fair. Uh, in my opinion, and that's just my own opinion. Look, the chairman's always going to get the blame for the good or the bad. Whatever happens, whatever mm. happens, it's always going to go to the top. Look, I don't think Levy is this... Um, I, he will have the final say, but I don't think... he. Look, I'm going to come out and say now, I think he wants the best for Tottenham, but I think he goes the wrong way of doing it. I think he generally does want the best. And he has financially made us very secure and very um, off the field brilliant. I just think he needs to look on, on the field and leave football to football matters. And that actually brings us on, guys, to the new sporting, or well, his, Paradici's new boss, Scott Munn. Now, mm. let me bring this up. Where is it now? Here we go. Um, this is Scott Munn. And he was appointed while we were off the air. Um, I'm sure um, Mia and the Godfather did go into a little bit about it, but it's the first time me and Nelly have had a chance together on the stream to talk about it. Yeah. And this was the statement that was um, put out by Levy. 
He says, Scott has a unique and broad experience on running sporting organisations at the highest level and will take responsibility for the leadership and the management of our football activities to install the best practice both on and off the pitch. The club statements added as a reference in the chairman's statement from the last set of financial results, there has been an ongoing review over the past six months of all our football activities. Changes have been made and further improvements continue to ensure future progress and competitiveness. Scott's former City Footballer Group executive has an extensive experience within sporting organisations, having started his career with the Sydney Organising Committee for the 2000 Olympic Games and then transitioning into the National Rugby League before joining the Australian Football League. Scott joined Melbourne City as a Chief Executive in 2010 and in 2019 he was appointed Chief Executive Officer of City Football Group China. Um, Ellie, yeah. I'll start with you, if yeah. that's okay, Mia, sorry. No, who does start with? No, I'll start with Mia this time, sorry. And then I'll go to you, Ellie. Sorry, I do apologise. No I forgot which way it was, which way I was <laughs> trying to do it evenly. Um, Mia, look, we, is this now a sign that Levy is now really handing over the roles to somebody else to deal with the football side and he just deals with the business side? Are, are we finally getting to that point after 22 years that he's saying, right, I've had enough. I'll just do the business. You deal with the football inside. I don't know, because it'd be interesting to see what his actual role involves, mm. because I can't really quite work out what his role actually does. There's no real pinpoint to what he actually is going to do. Mm. So I don't know if Levy will fully ever hand over it completely i'm going to be honest um and mm -hmm. i think he should absolutely but um i do feel like that his job title is a bit kind of mishmash like i can't quite work out what he is so i'm not entirely sure um yeah. i don't know what to make of the whole appointment if i'm honest i'm a bit like yeah. like what is this like what why it did the club didn't really explain it clearly enough that's what it is they weren't transparent in my opinion to what he actually is going to do there was nothing specific yeah i mean mia look is it is it are we seeing the handing over of the reins from one to another i mean paul to paul australian paul um he was very good at melbourne uh is it melbourne city where he was he was right he took them from one league up to their top league he knows his celtic manager very well are we are we heading down to an old Aussie team at Tottenham for next season with a new manager? Cool. Is that to me? Oh, nope. Ellie, that's it. Sorry. Is that to me? Yeah, it was to you, yeah. Oh, um, you know what? I've been talking with Paul about uh, Ange Postiloglu hmm. and um, he's raving him up because obviously he's with Celtic. Um, you see what happened to Steven Gerrard when he came to Aston Villa from the Scottish League. It didn't quite work out. That doesn't mean Postiloglu won't work out, but I don't know. It just seems like I'm, I'm with Mia. It's a bit confusing what his role mm. totally is. Is he ahead of Paratici? Paratici, sorry. Is he is he going to be fully in charge? Without no interference from Levy. For what I can understand, make that quite clear. Yeah, what I can understand for all that, he's in charge of the football side, so he's he's the boss of Paratici, so he's on the board. 
Yeah. So he's on the board as the football man in charge of the football inside of Tottenham Hotspur. So of the organisation of all of the transfers. So his job is to get the youth academy sorted out, to make sure get a new director of football in if Paratici's appeal is not successful, sort out with Paratici for the new manager. So everything's left to him. So are we looking at a part? Are we looking at a new dawn on the football side of Tottenham, or is it going to revolt back to the same old? Levy has the final say. Do you know what? What can you see happening? Is he is he giving up the football inside? That's the point. I'm sort of trying. Would love. To, I'm trying to make him love to hear your no, opinion on. I'm going to be a bit sarcastic. I can't see Levy giving it up. I just can't see him because he like he loves the power. He's he loves it to get his five pounds worth in. He does. He's, he's proven over the 22 years that he's been here that he loves it. I don't think he's going to fully give it up. And if he does, I'm going to be shocked. I really will if he doesn't get involved. Mm-hmm. But the business side's fantastic on. Yeah. You can't fault him on that. No one can say he hasn't done us a favour by getting us sustainable and making, mm-hmm. you know, making all these off off-field activities go the money is going into the club so that is a good thing but whether he gives it up i'm, I'm a bit skeptical about that yeah <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll leave that conversation there for another podcast i mean yeah. the, Levy, the Levy podcast <laughs> will be interesting but look it, it for me it's going to be good but i'm looking forward to he starts in the summer so let's see what he does and fingers crossed um, he does well at Tottenham. Right, guys, I yeah. want to go on very quickly, if we can, about VAR. Mm. Now, I'll start with you, Ellie, on this. You were there, and then I'll go to you, Mira. Yeah. I'll have my own opinion on this as well. Now, just very quickly, the PGMOL have contacted Brighton after the game Saturday and apologised, saying they should, VAR should have awarded them a penalty following a Hoybier challenge on forward canoe to Minty Monta in the league on Saturday afternoon. The Seagulls were were denied spot kick before Tottenham's Harry Kane scored the win and sealed the three points and ensure Spurs stay in touch with top four. Now, these are the three um, mm. VAR decisions. Now, what I'll do, I'll do the first one to you, Ellie. I'll do the second one to you, Mir, and then the third one we will all discuss as a as a as a tree. So, Ellie, yeah. um, the first goal, Spurs leading one nil. Um, goal is ruled out for handball, but replay show it may have hit his chest. Look for me very quickly. I think it hit here, didn't it? It sort of hit up here or sort of yeah. here. So he sort of did that with it, if you know what I mean. Um, I think it was the right decision. I think it should have been cancelled out. I think VAR got that right. Ellie, you were there. I don't know what yeah. you saw, it, what view you had of it. Close to it. Was it a good decision by VAR to rule out by the linesman? I was on the right side of him, mm. right? So when the ball come over, it seemed to hit him underneath the arm and then he put his arm down and it hit him at the top of the thing. So... Mm. It depends how, like, the, the linesman was saying like that, but what he really meant, it hit him under the arm, mm. got it controlled, and then it came and bounced onto the top of his arm. Mm. So, yeah, I think he was right that they they disallowed it because he did actually get it under control under his arm. So he lifted the ball up, and then it hit him there, you see. So without that action, he wouldn't mm. have got the goal. 
I mean, you know, uh, if it clearly hit him there, that's fair enough. Yeah, that, that's fair. Um, it brings me back to that penalty against us in the Champions League final. If VAR had been in there, that penalty wouldn't have been given. So I suppose yeah. it has its advantages and disadvantages. Mia, the 55th minute VAR rules out and McAllister's okay. goal for handball after he deflects in a Danny Welbeck shot. Look, for me, the biggest thing for me was Hugo, how Hugo let that goal in. He let it go under his body, if anyone sees the video. Um, I think that was very harsh because I don't think McAllister could have got out of the way of that. And I think this should be a little... I think this VAR should show lenience. It didn't change the direction of the ball as far as I can see very much. Um, I think he was just in the way. He tried to get out of it. Um, It's a 50-50 for me. I think VAR got that wrong. I think the goal might have stood if that was another game or another VAR official. Um. Absolutely not. Absolutely not, Dermot. Because you know why? Because you're not allowed to handle the ball before it goes into the net. It doesn't Mm. matter if you guided it in or not. If it touches your hand, any part of your arm in that in that moment, it does not count because if Mm -hmm. it was given, if Mm -hmm. it was one of our attackers, it would have been given as a penalty. So if it's given as a penalty, that means it can't be a goal. So that's how I see it. It doesn't matter if he tried to get out of the way or not. The fact is he handled it for it to enter the net. You're meant to play with your other parts of your body. You're not meant to use any yeah, part of your the arm. Point, the point I'm making, Mia, yeah, the point I'm making is, Mia, there was something similar early in the season and VAR gave the goal. So where's the consistency? Where's the, 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 do you know? It, what goal was that? that it, was early in the, it was early in the season. Um, I think it was a Man United game. If I can, I can't really remember. Oh, I know. Okay. I was early I in the season. Name. Yeah, it was exactly the same thing. And VAR have not been consistent this season. They've let some things go. To then they've yeah. the next match. They they've they've locked down in it, and then the match again. Then they've they've let it go again. I understand what you're saying, Mia. I do agree with you, and I do understand what you're saying. But the point I was trying to make, and maybe I didn't make it clear, sorry about that, was you see that on Saturday not given, but on another VAR official or somebody else doing VAR, they might give it. Do do, do you know what I mean? It's VAR not consistent in following their own rules, or do you think that there has to be a change now? for VAR to say, right, these are the set rules. You go by these rules and make it simpler for the person doing the VAR. Do you think it's too complicated for them? I think that what needs to happen is that the um, when the VAR sees something, they should say to the referee, go and look at it, because then mm. it's still in the referee's hands then. So mm. then referees are making the decision on the field and VAR aren't. But if mm. they spot something, they should alert the referee, say, go and have a look at it. And the ref should be able to look at it without any interference from any players. And if any players or managers do get involved, they should get an instant red. They should be sent off the pitch because they should mm. be allowed to get involved in that decision. They should be leaving the referee alone to make his own decision and then the ref should look at that monitor and then decide for himself that's how it should be yeah, it should be now guys yeah. we're going to the penalty and i just want the first yeah. question i want a yes or no answer for you was it a penalty um for me yes it was sadly i think yes. it was a penalty 
Ellie, was it a penalty? Yes or no? I, I, I disagree, and I, I'll give you my reasons why yeah, I disagree. Yeah, just, just at the moment, yes or no? No. Uh, we'll, okay. And Mia, was it a penalty? Yes. Right. Ellie, I'll start with you. Why don't you think it was a penalty? Is Ellie frozen? Mia, go on. I give, why do you think it was a penalty? I think it's a penalty, right. Because... Okay. Yeah, go on, Ellie. <laughs> we can hear you. Yeah, go on, Ellie. You want me to say why I think it's not a penalty? Yeah, right. yeah. I yeah. think it's not a penalty because both the players came together, right? They both collided with one another, right? Hoybier put his arms up to say, look, I'm 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 away from this tackle. And as his foot came down, he trod on his foot accidentally. That was an accidental movement. It's not like he deliberately brought him down. And Matoma was putting his bum into his hip. You could see it. So he was looking for the penalty. That's my interpretation. And the referee said straight away, no, no penalty. Because he saw it from where I saw it from. It was accidental. Two players coming together and Hoybier pulling away. He never intentionally brought the player down. That's mm. my interpretation. Um, Mia, you say it so, was a penalty. And I take it you disagree with Ellie. So this should be a bit fun. Right. Why was yeah, it a penalty? Because I think that even if it is accidental, we've seen accidental things happen in the penalty area and it is mm. still given. Accidental or not, you trod on an opponent's foot. Like, that's how I interpret it. Mm. And that's obviously, in general, what the rule is. And if it wasn't the rule, they wouldn't have come out and apologised and said they should have given the penalty. Mm. So clearly that is the rule, isn't it? Like, we yeah. all know that was the rule and we did just get away with one. Mm. But, yeah, to me, the fact they come out and apologise just proves that it was it was a pen or I don't think they did it in with, pre I don't know if there was pressure for them to apologize. I don't know. They shouldn't have apologized because I think mm. it just makes them look foolish, but yeah. they, and that makes the referee look foolish as well because it undermines the referee's decision. But yes, yeah. um, I do think it was a penalty because I do think if you tread on an opponent's foot anywhere else on the pitch, it is going to be a free kick. Mm. So that's why it's a pen for me. Yeah, look, for me, I think it was a penalty, sadly. I, I think them coming out and apologising, firstly, is the biggest indicator. I mean, for me, they should have made the referee go and look at the monitor. That's what they normally do. Um, look, Hoybier, if he was trying to get out of the way, look, I love Hoybier. I would never say anything wrong about Mr Hoybier. I've got his shirt behind me, mm. which Ellie was a lovely present from Ellie and I'm, it's up there, Ellie. It's there. It's behind me. Um, look, for me, it was a penalty. I, I think we got away with one. I think the gods were looking down on us that day. But look, guys, very quickly, um, VAR, where do we stand on it? Where and I'll start with you, Ellie, on this. Yeah. What changes do what changes do need to be made to make it more effective? And do you think we need to follow the roots of other sports like rugby or American football where the officials explain to the fans why they've made that decision? It wouldn't take very long. It wouldn't take very long. Yeah. Or is football to is football to would it cause trouble in the stands if 
if it was like a last minute and the penalty was given, the referee gave an expression, why not? Do you think that might cause trouble in the in the um, stands? Or do you think we need to go look at the roots of rugby and American football where the fans are explained why that decision wasn't made? Yeah, we could take a leaf out of their book, you know, because fans want to be understanding of this VAR, you know, and where it's all in the dark and then you have to wait four or five minutes sometimes mm. for a decision to be given. It's frustrating. Mm. And you're like, you're cheering a goal and then they rule it off. And they more more often than not, they get it wrong, right? And, yeah, they should be calling on the referee a lot more, like Mia said as well. Mm. Go to the monitor and let the referee decision mm. if they if they can't if they if it's not a clear-cut penalty like Hoybier's one I don't think it was right let the let the referee decide that he's already said no penalty mm. but it, when he looks at it on the monitor he might change his mind mm. you know because he's got a different angle he'll watch it over and over mm. again and then he'll make a decision but I, I think yeah to explain something to the fans I think we're intelligent people, football fans. We're not stupid. We like to know what's going on. Mm. Where you're standing there like a lemon, waiting for two people in a dark room somewhere to make a decision and there's no explanation, it's really bad. Mm. And it's a bad sight <laughs> how football's going. I've I got to <laughs> tell you a funny story. Me and Ellie, were, were when I was over at Tottenham for the AC Milan, me and Ellie were in the calf, weren't we? The Tottenham yeah. calf. And yeah, we could we see we could see where they were setting up the VAR room for that evening, right? Yeah. And I was yeah. very tempted to go in there and just write a little note, give Spurs everything, right? <laughs> yeah. um, Mia, sure. one last question on VAR before we move on to our final topic of this podcast is um, can we still get top four? We'll go through the fixtures and then we'll look at the table from, from third to seventh and see where we think it might all shake up at the end of the season. Do you think there has to be a time limit on VAR decisions that they have a, they have a 30 seconds or 40 seconds to make that decision from start to finish? Or are you happy how long it normally, do you think it takes too long to make these decisions at the moment? Um, yeah, it does take too long. I think that maybe that's a bit too quick. So maybe about a, a minute and a half, mm. especially for the offside decisions, because I mm. think that's ridiculous. Some of them are just absolutely ridiculous. And the Charleston's goal was still onside mm. for me. I've looked, I've watched it many a time and it's still onside. I don't know mm. how they ruled yeah. that offside. So if it takes longer than that, then the advantage should be given to the attacker. Just like that, they should go back to that rule that if it takes longer than a minute and a half to see, if you've got those lines and you can't see it straight away, then that means you're looking, you're zooming in so much to see if it's offside. That shouldn't be the case. If you look at it and you cannot decide in a minute and a half if that's offside, then that's the advantage to the attacker because it takes, you can't, you shouldn't have to zoom in to see if their toenail is offline because all the pixels and all, no. That's ridiculous. It's absolutely yeah, a joke. Yeah. Absolute joke. Right. <laughs> the, we will have... No, I, I, also I, a joke is that they draw the lines incorrectly a lot of the time. I, I, I've got my own opinion on that, Ellie. I think they're drinking in the VAR room myself, and that's why it's a bit shady. I mean? They've got a bottle of whiskey somewhere. Yeah. Look, <laughs> that is... I would love to do a podcast just on VAR, and we will do that. That will be probably episode two of this um, new podcast show. Um 
um, be me, Ellie, me, or me, Ellie, and the Godfather talking about VAR and what we can do and where it needs to be made improvements. Right, we're going on to the final bit of the podcast now, and it's a simple question. Can we still get top four? Now, guys, these are the next four fixtures we have. Now, of course, we want at Brighton. We've got Bournemouth, of course, the game I was supposed to be going to, and I'm disappointed I'm not going, but for obvious reasons, I've decided yeah. not going ahead. And Ellie, I was looking forward to seeing you again. But look, I'm sure you will come well, into around the ground um, on Saturday when you're at the ground yeah. and um, get a programme while you're there, will you? I will do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, I was looking for Then we've got Newcastle away, Manchester United at home and Liverpool away mm. um i think i'll start with i'll start with ellie first on this one who does start with last first last time was it you ellie or you mir so um, I'm to... i don't remember it doesn't matter oh, it doesn't i'm just trying i'm trying to be fair I'm trying, I'm trying to be fair well i'll start with you ellie um just simple questions bournemouth newcastle man united liverpool to start off with how many points i think we can get Eight, mm. I think that's the best we can get. Yeah. Because Newcastle, the best we can get is a draw. We're not beating mm. them. No way. Man United, we can beat them. Mm. Bournemouth, we can beat them. And we can draw with Liverpool. As long mm. as we turn up at Liverpool like we did last season and we pulled out a draw. Yeah, we can manage. I think we can get eight. Mm. Mia, where are you going for the next four games? Um, I'm going to agree with Ellie on that. I think eight is reasonable because I don't think that um, Liverpool are really hard because we should have won both times against Liverpool last season and we didn't. Um, and we're always pretty close with Liverpool. It's never one of those games where they absolutely smack us. They're not looking great. But the as you can see um, from the game they've just had with Arsenal, once that crowd gets up, if you get that crowd's back up, you are in for trouble. So we mm. need to... Just we need to keep it calm and not rile them up at all. Like we need to keep really calm heads on our shoulders if we want to go and get a draw. Newcastle, they're on a high at the minute. And at mm. home, again, that's a really rowdy crowd, a really <laughs> rowdy crowd. Like they like to take their tops off and all sorts. They're crazy up there. <laughs> they're but they're I love their passion though. I do love I their passion. Going, I know where Mia's going on the next summer holiday and the girls oh, no. are, girls weekend away. <laughs> oh no, not that anyway, I'm not going to comment. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's the thing. They've got that passion, and they really bring it to the stadium. So those two mm. games are so difficult. Man United are a bit up and down, and if they haven't got Rashford, I feel like that's a game that is winnable. It, mm. it is a winnable game. Bournemouth, we should be beating Bournemouth at home. Like for me, yeah. that's a game we should be yeah. winning. Like, come on, if we can't beat Bournemouth at home, I don't know what the heck we're doing. No. So yeah, I think eight points is reasonable. I'm going to yeah. disagree with the pair of you. I think we're going to beat Bournemouth three i think we're gonna draw at newcastle and i can't see us beating united or liverpool i think we're only going to get four points mm. at the next four games i look bournemouth at home we should be beating i agree with you both newcastle is not an easy place to go to at the moment newcastle i've got their backs up they're fighting for top four the fans are re rejuvenated up there now and look and i'm happy for newcastle because i think everyone deep down newcastle is their second team because everyone loves newcastle 
the, the fans have suffered so much up there. Um, I think we'll get a point up there. Man United at home, it, that could swing either way. It depends. It depends. Look, the two-way games for me is where we don't turn up because the players don't turn up because of the atmosphere. It's been before, guys, where, where they've gone to places like Mora or, or we've gone away to Man United or we've gone away to Newcastle or we've gone away to Arsenal and we just crumble. Um, that's why I haven't got the confidence. Um, I think Liverpool way, the best we probably might get is a point, but I don't think we will. Mia is right. You get them Liverpool fans' backs up, you are in trouble. And that showed yesterday. And I think that proved with the Arsenal game last year, guys, where Liverpool, Arsenal went up there and Liverpool turned them over because of something on the touchline. It got the crowd going, it got Klopp going, it got the players going. So, look, four points for me. I don't like saying it, but that's just how I feel at the moment. But how can you say that when Man United is at home? So, you just said about the away game. So, Man hmm. United, I think without Rashford, I think that's a reason. They've been up and down as well themselves, United, and they're playing on other fronts as well. Don't forget yeah, that. I, so, yeah. And Liverpool, I, I, we've always... Hmm. Can you remember, Joe, I can remember the game against... Liverpool up at their way when I think it was Toby scored an own goal at the last minute. Mm. They always get a last minute winner against they us do. at Liverpool, they do. and it's and they yeah. never so they never smash us up there. No. though. it's always a very tight game. Look, so, I I, I yeah. agree with you on the Man United thing. I do. I understand where you're coming from. It's just my gut feeling. But look, okay, then look, I'll go for a win against Bournemouth, a draw against Newcastle. I'll go for a point against Man United and whatever happens at Liverpool, Liverpool. Um, but guys, very quickly, because we, we've got, we'll soon be finishing. This is the table. Yeah. Now, this is Newcastle's in third, United fourth, Tottenham fifth, Villa sixth, and Brighton are seventh. Now, Newcastle play 29, Man United play 29. Us and Villa have both played 30, so we're up to date. Brighton have two games hand in this. Um, is it two games? Yeah, two games. Now, there's 10 points between Brighton and Newcastle. I'll start with you first, Mia, then I'll go to you, Ellie. Name me your top four. Well, from name out of, out of third to seventh, where where team's going to finish? Oh, this is so difficult. I think Brian have got quite tricky games. They've mm. got quite hard games as well. Mm. Um, I remember looking them up and thinking they've got to play Man United. They've got to play, I think they've got quite a few tough games. So I don't think, I do think that um, it's between us, Newcastle and Man United. I think that Villa um, are playing really well at the moment. And Joe what? Hats off to them. If they get Europe this year, that's massive for Aston Villa. That is mm. huge. Um, and I do think Brighton as well. So I think they will get Europe, but I don't think it'll be top four. So I think it's going to be us, Man United, Newcastle for the third and fourth spot. And then I think that Aston Villa, Brighton, it's going to be either them, like mm. one of them is going to be in one, like the sixth place and the fifth and the, uh, the sixth and the seventh place, personally. Ellie? Yeah. Where where do you think where where's your where are they all going to finish in the league? Do you think? I think it's between us and Man United, the top mm. four. 
I think Newcastle were more or less because their defence, look at their defence, 21 goals conceded, 48 goals scored. So yeah. I think they're pretty safe to mm. get that top four spot. But us and Man United, it all balances a, a lot on that game we play them as well and how well we do in the two matches before we, we face them. So mm. if we can get a draw at Newcastle and beat Man United, I think we've, we're going to get top four. Because mm. Man United, especially if they lose to Brighton in that FA Cup semi-final and they get knocked out of Europe, I think that's going to have a detrimental effect on their mentality. Mm. Right, and um, you've seen it in part in past years where teams have faltered because they've come out of See, competitions. See, I just I feel think it's between us and Man United. Mm. See, I think we want them to continue in Europe, Heli, because then that means they're fighting on two fronts, which means their their minds are set in two different ways, which is good because you don't want them just to have the Premier League to concentrate on. We want mm. them to be in Europe for as long as possible because then all their concentration is going to go into Europe. Mm. Yeah. Are, are they at the quarterfinal stage at the moment? Yeah, they are. Yeah. Aren't they? Yeah. yeah. Look, I agree with you. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I didn't see it that way, Mia. So, yeah. Look, uh, yeah. It, it depends. That Brighton game in the man, if Brighton beat them in the FA Cup as well, mm. that's going to put on them. Mm. Look, from my opinion, I think goal difference is going to come into it. Look, we've got a better goal difference than Villa and Man United. Um, so that could come into it. Look, for me, it's going to be... I, I, look, if we beat Newcastle and beat United and get a point, say, Liverpool, we could finish third if Newcastle and Man United have a bad run to the end of the season. There's no there's no way, there's no... There's, there could be a chance we could finish third, we could finish fourth, could finish fifth. I don't think we're going to finish any lower than fifth, but I think we've got a great... It's The opportunities on our own hands. We've got to get points against Newcastle and Man United. We've got to get good results to yeah. get them to get higher in the league. Look, for yeah. me, I'm going to put it out there. I said Tottenham third, Newcastle fourth, Man United fifth, Brighton sixth, Villa seventh. That is my pick. But listen, we will... We will get on to that as the season goes on. We will do more of these looking at the thing. Well, listen, guys, I want to thank you very much. We tried to keep this under an hour. We're doing it yeah. by two minutes to spare, but very good. Yeah. Mia, do you want to give your channel a plug, Spurs Between the Lines? Um, it's a brilliant channel. Mia is a jewel in the Spurs community's crown, along with Ellie, the two queens of the of the Spurs community anyway, for me. Um of course, me and me do do joint shows on our channels. We do we do a link up, so we're trying to drag yeah. Mia to four to one thousand. Get her up there; she deserves it so much. So, Mia, just very quickly, um, just where can people find you? Just extremely quickly there. Um, yeah, people can find me at Spurs Between the Lines. Um, if you watch it, uh, give me a subscribe. And hit the like on all my content. Give it a watch. I would really, really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much. Ellie, um, we yeah. will be doing the podcast on the women's side of the game during yeah. the week or next week. Um, hopefully, Mia will join us for that. We will be Podcasts will be coming out all this week. We're doing a golden game podcast or a golden game 
podcast um, tomorrow for tomorrow night. And then on Thursday, I'm not sure yet if I'm doing this as a live or a pre-record. We might do it as a pre-record. I'm not sure. I need to discuss it with the guys. But why I miss my Tottenham, which the four of us will be on. So it'll be me, Philip, the Godfather, Queen Ellie, and Princess Mia, as we like to call her on here as well. Listen, thanks for watching. I hope you have a lovely rest of your evening. Whatever you do, please like, subscribe, hit that notification bell, and please share. And if you're there, please pick up a membership, $2.99, $4.99. They are worth the thing, because we are bringing out a members-only fan show. Whatever you do, thank you so much, whatever you're doing. Find us on Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram, and also on YouTube, also on Facebook. Contact any of us if you want to talk to us. We will gladly talk to you. That's what we're here for. And we'll see you tomorrow at one o'clock with Newsbeat with myself, Ellie, and Mia, maybe, or just me and Ellie. So take care. God bless you all. Come on, you Spurs. In something we trust. Oh.